welcome everyone to episode 50 of the VGC Trainer School Podcast, where we focus on the competitive side of Pokemon. Whether you are a ladder scholar or newcomer to VGC, we will help you learn. Class is in session. I'm Jake, and I'm joined today by two stupendous co-hosts. Thank you guys very much for coming on. We'll start with you, Jack. Hello. Welcome in. Welcome back. And congratulations. How you doing? Good, good. Uh, yeah, normally I come on these things and I go, oh, yeah, been up to nothing much, you know, just chilling. But no, I have just got top eight at Brisbane Regional. <laughs> Which is something I like crazy to say. And it was such a fun experience. We'll definitely get more into it later, but a lot of stories to share. That's phenomenal. Oh my God. Like th this is so, so exciting for you because I mean, I know firsthand just how much time and effort and, uh, you know, grinding you did to be able to even just prepare and then to see it all culminate into a, pretty pretty stellar and dominating top eight run is really cool and if it wasn't for that that weird amoongus you know there we might be there might be an even better title that we'd be able to introduce you as but nonetheless phenomenally done and uh that's pretty pretty exciting so like how how did it so how how do you uh how do you follow that up what are you up to now oh well I'm actually in the process of moving house. So that's like what I'm doing at the moment. But I feel um, like you moved recently, didn't you? Yeah, I did. And then in rentals are weird. But basically, long story short, next rental we're going to, we're there for a lot longer. So oh, cool. okay. this is the last major move in a long time, which is very nice. That's good. Yes. Cool. <laughs> but other than that, I'll be ever, you know, getting ready for Melbourne. That's the next point of call. There'll mm. be a few locals in between, but you know, Melbourne's better. And I honestly think that Como gets better in the next regulation just because of Incineroar being everywhere. And then mm -hmm. also like uh, Whimsicott and Incineroar means Fluttermane and Urshifu usage will probably go down a little bit as well. So mm -hmm. it's actually like a good spot for Como. Cool. Okay. Well, mm -hmm. uh, as they said on the broadcast, it refuses to die. So we'll see. Uh, we'll see what happens. Um, but also joining us today... Spicer, what's up with you, man? How are you doing? Uh, what did Jack say earlier? Just chilling, not much. Same old thing. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. You I'll get my uh, top you... eight eventually. Heck yeah, <laughs> oh, I believe it. So proud of you, though, the Kamoa King. Oh, it's been a it's been a long run, and I think. Like there's been long process, a lot of prep, and then the ch the last minute change right before the tournament was the big thing that pushed me over the line. I reckon so. When when we get to that story, it's a good one. So let's cool. just yeah jump right into it. Um, but uh, Spicer, what have you have you you've been playing in some tournaments and stuff recently online, right? Oh yeah, I did the um, what was it widely? Oh, uh, the Tommy Tuesday. Oh right, nice. Yeah, and it was you just did, like you did well on that, right? Four and two. It was just like the limitless thing that was going on at the time when I felt like playing, and I'm glad there's like typically something going on every night somewhere on limitless. Which uh, thank you to them, you know, mm -hmm. not nonetheless. Uh, I did four two, which is like all right. I was still playing with like Blood Moon or Saluna stuff. Cool. Um, it was fun, and I uh, got a local. Our first ever Vegas PC is coming up. All right. Because there just wasn't really a scene out here until now. Yeah. So hoping for a nice turnout. Very cool. Very cool. Um, for me personally, nothing too much. Uh our draft league is coming to a close of the regular season. So that's pretty exciting. We have some uh so like playoffs are gonna be starting and uh hopefully can do well in that. That'd be kind of nice. But nothing else major on the VGC front. Um, I have been looking a little bit at some of the stuff coming up for the uh, Indigo Disc DLC, so I'm very excited for that. I don't exactly know 
there was sort of a leak that came out and I don't know if it's necessarily true. Well, it'll certainly, you know, time will, time will tell on that, but there could be some quite some interesting things coming up that would be really fun to play around with. So that'll be exciting. Um, but uh, yeah, I think Zach, you're right. We should really just get into uh, talking about Brisbane and Gdansk and, and obviously your play in that. But first we do have some news to get into the topic at hand so i'll just take this first one real quick if you were for whatever reason looking for a rev of room you're able to grab one on mystery gift using the code team star and that's just team star no spaces apparently it's in celebration of the third episode of the paldean winds uh, it does come with the peeved mark so it will show up as rev of room the grumpy which is kind of funny. It isn't a regular Pokeball and with a fighting Terra type. Grumpy. In finding this, I also realized and discovered that there is also a Titan out there. I don't know if we necessarily talked about this before, but it is still active. It was for the first Paldean Winds distribution, utilizing the code like a flute, but the I in like is a one. So it's L1KEAFLUTE. And it is shown as Satitan the Rampaging. So hmm. grab those if you want some. If you are a Mark Hunter, I will say. I like that. It's like Rampaging. Uh, I forget the name of. What's the white whiz, the white whale's name in Moby Dick? And then it's called Moby yeah, Dick. It's called Moby Dick. That's it. It's the, the whale. Is Moby the whale. Dick. I never knew if it was like the whale, the guy, the old man, or if it was. No, he's Ishmael. It was describing something as Moby. I don't know. Oh, fair enough. No, yeah, but that is <laughs> Moby Dick, the whale. Oh, yeah, Ishmael. Okay. And then, yeah, just so everybody knows, Revivrum did get high horsepower, which is kind of funny. Mm-hmm. And it was previously walled by steel types. And there was that silly little Rev of Room team that that you and I were building with uh, some of the Vegas guys. That was kind of that was kind of funny. Yeah, yeah, that was yeah, that was what inspired um, that little statement. But also, I can edit out all my bad jokes. That's the the power that I have. <laughs> That's true. Um, and speaking of a bunch of you know with Gdansk and Australia, uh, you know Poland, obviously. Um, the World Cup is going on. We have the top 16 teams. Jack? Yes, so the top 16 teams of the World Cup are uh, Italy, Australia, India, Singapore, China, Spain, UK, South Korea, Germany, Canada, US, Japan, France, Taiwan, Argentina, and Thailand. So uh, we want to wish Sempra uh, the best of luck. He's in Team Canada, so he's part of our group. Um, So all the best to him. And also my personal note, best of luck to Team Australia because I've got a few friends that are competing in that and it's looking like a very strong team at the moment. Nice. Is that something that you might want to potentially like try out for or be a part of in the future? Well, I was... When the tryouts went out this year, it was just in the middle of like my exam, so I didn't do it. But it is something that could be interesting because you, you know, you get paired against some of the best players in the world. So it's kind of invaluable experience if you get to be on that team. So yeah, yeah something definitely that could be good. Cool. And supposedly the the top sixteen round should be concluding relatively soon. That uh, a lot of the matches have already been played. But some of these matchups are in crate or are, are insane, like U.S. versus Japan, Germany, Canada, um, China, Spain. I mean, Italy, Australia. These these are just phenomenal teams, and it's uh, it's it's been quite fun. The Victory Road has been streaming some of them here and there, so I definitely suggest following them on Twitch uh, before Twitch dies as a platform, and. Uh, watch some of those games because like you said, Jack, they are truly like some of the best in the world are competing head to head. And uh, it's kind of cool to see that all play out, but that does it for the news. Um, So let's jump into the topic at hand. So the way that we're going to do this is first and foremost, we want to talk to Jack about his experience with the Brisbane regional, uh, both the lead up and the actual play in it. 
And then we're going to talk about uh, the Brisbane and Gdansk regional metas as a whole to see some similarities and some differences between the two, because it's kind of cool. They both happen at the same time, but, um, you know, being almost a world apart, there are definitely some uh, some differences here and uh, we want to get into it. So, Jack, you got top eight yes. at, at the Brisbane Regional. Now, was this your and I, was this your first official regional that you've attended or have you been to others? So I went to Sydney Regionals last year. Um, That's right. But this is like, I'd say the first one that I took really seriously because basically last year it was on the first day of Reg C. So no one really knew what was happening. Everyone was using Fisher um, and it was a very interesting experience. But I also feel like this one, the event was very formal and there was a lot, like the organizers did a really good job. So thanks to all the head judges, because I think there was a lot of issues and they handled it very, very professionally. And so that was something I noticed. Um, but yeah, so overall felt felt more like a regional than Sydney did last year. So it, yeah, that felt like a lot more on the line. Yeah, definitely. And like you were, you know, you were doing a bunch of different testing ahead of time and trying a bunch of different things about what you wanted to do. And then you ultimately settled on Como. So you've had Como on the mind for a while now, right? Like there was even like a, I remember you were saying that like, okay, um, the meta changed a little bit. I got to tweak some things, but ultimately you think Como is still a good decision. So when did you really lock in that choice as being like something you definitely wanted to bring? Uh, yeah, so actually, like basically on the first day of Reg E, I kind of thought that due to how offensive um, physically like Reg D was, I was like, oh, I kind of want to build Iron Defense Body Press. So I built this like really er early version of a team with like Hisuian Gudra, Ting Lu, like uh, Cresselia, and just kind of really bulked it out. Um, and then I ran into someone on ladder who was using Como and they wrecked me and they kind of just said, oh, why aren't you using Como? It does so much more damage. And so from that point, I switched. And then like basically that weekend, it won Sacramento. And so from that point forward, I was like, I need to use this Pokemon more because it's really, really good. Yeah. And so you were using it in a little bit of a, like, there's kind of, I guess there, there's two ways to run it in a way. I mean, I'm sure there's certainly more, but there's like the, there's the clangor and, you know, the clangor of soul where you get the Omni boost and then you sort of try and go from there, but then also it getting iron defense and body press and having stab body press in this gen is pretty unique as well. And that's the way that you prefer to run it. Correct. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, basically, the reason why body press feels so much better than the clangorous soul is, first of all, you're not taking HP away when you're setting up, um, and also you have to invest a lot of speed into the clangorous soul one, which means that you can't bulk out. Um, and also, Como just has a 125 base defense stat and stab body press, as you mentioned. So realistically you only need plus two and then all of a sudden you're almost one-shotting a lot of things i didn't even realize it had that much defense yeah it's really really bulky like i was living uh crit terror blast from landorus um and wow. as a steel type i was living crit drain punch from iron hand so like yeah it's really bulky and it's really cool i mean we, we've talked about como in the past because it's like having that that steel terra as an option but then also having bulletproof just makes it such a phenomenal wall to something like fluttermane whereas you'd expect it to just be dinner because of the fact that it has that 4x you know moonblast or just fairy weakness in general um but we sort of were talking ahead of time you built your team in a way to not have to worry as much about fluttermane and why is that well, yeah, I basically knew that Fluttermane was going to be an issue. And then I found as well that uh, 
it basically their my opponent's main strategy for all like the hyper offense teams of dealing with Kamoa was they would bring in Fluttermain, force me to Terra, and then try and use Urshifu Water to to kill me, which would work. So basically my the a Pokemon that synergizes really well with Como is Rillaboom because you get the grassy terrain healing, which means you're healing back 12% every turn with leftovers as well. Um, so not only are you healing heaps of health, but also Rillaboom can just one-shot both Urshifu and Fluttermane. Um, and so being able to remove two threats to, you know, a setup strategy instantly is so valuable. And basically my team was kind of revolved around having threats that pressure Fluttermane and Urshifu and then just being able to remove any special attackers, any, uh, you know, hard-hitting physical attackers, and then trying to let Kamoa sweep the endgame. Yeah, I mean, that's that's definitely a really good way to to play that. And, like, because of the fact that that's your, your, uh, your idea going in, I imagine that it helps you to not necessarily burn your Terra too soon because you're sort of, hoping that that combo is going to be able to come in like you know come in at the end and i imagine that the steel terror is kind of something that you always want to have in your back pocket just in case uh yeah it essentially como is como's base uh type is far far better into like the normal format like you don't want to tear it in front of an urshifu or a ogre pond fire or right. a chen pal you don't want to do that so being able to pressure Fluttermane as much as possible so you don't have to Terra is the best thing because it's such a good base defensive typing. Like, I'll get into stories later about specific rounds, but essentially Coma was able to 1v3 uh, a team just because of how good its base defense typing is. Wow. And so um, we'll, we'll, we'll shift to that in one second, but I, I'm curious, what was the the change that you had alluded to at the beginning that you saw like immediate dividends in um, that you like, you know, you had to do before the tournament. Yeah. So I'll kind of just talk a bit about what happened, but basically leading up to LA, uh, sorry, after LAIC, the week leading up, um, I was using a team and I had been for ages and it was, really really good like two weeks ago i went 30 and 2 on best of three ladder um and i was like i'm unstoppable and it was actually using a uh, ogre pond cornerstone and it was a weird combo but using rillaboom and ogre pond were able to double grassy glide to take out the Fluttermane and urshifus and having the rock stab was able to take out tornadoes which coma doesn't like um but basically, because of LAIC, every Tornadus seemed to be running Protect or extremely bulky. And so it lost a lot of value. Um, and so leading up to it, I felt like I was dropping a lot on Showdown and I didn't know what to do. So on the Friday, we went to registration and I was with my friends. And I kind of said to them, look, I'm going to go back to my hotel. I want to try one more thing. And then I will come back. And if it doesn't work, I'll just lock in my team as is. If it does work, then we'll see how we go tomorrow. So I go back to the hotel and my idea basically was double fake out seems really good. I've never wanted to try it because I feel like Rillaboom without the assault vest is uh, not as good as, you know, as it should be. Mm -hmm. But I'm really willing to give this a go because Iron Hands is the mon that I switched for Ogre Pond. It needs the Assault Vest. So I basically used Iron Hands and I changed Rillaboom to a various offensive uh, Meadow Plate Terra Grass um, and essentially used it as a just a hard-hitting mon that can just come and one-shot most things that don't resist it mm -hmm. uh, and then have double fake out so I can just pivot and set up iron defenses without having to worry. Right. Um, I played five games on showdown and I won all of them. I went, okay, um, I'm locking this in. I built my iron hands, built my Rillaboom, went to sleep at 9.30 and that was basically 
the decision and nice. long uh without spoiling too much it worked really well <laughs> okay well that's i mean that that's really cool and like you know, look at some of the other interesting texts on here like taunt on flutter main is neat um yeah that's like that's definitely something that i'm sure can really mess up a uh a team because like that you know that fast fast taunt is always good plus you got icy wind to be able to help you out your your urshifu and like um you know your your rillaboom your como or something like that so it's that that's the whole team it looks like it it just it runs really well so fake and taunt is always good oh yeah um so you're going through the going through the the various rounds and you finish up what seven and one on day one yes Yes. Wow. So uh, wow. due to how um, the structure of Brisbane worked, you had to go seven and one if you wanted to cut just because we didn't have a day two. Okay. So you like there wasn't a single six two that made it. Everyone was seven and one just because of how numbers worked out, um, which was good because no one bubbled out on seven and one. But yeah, it was like very stressful to try and make it in. That's wild. Yeah. That's that's like there's just as small a room for error as possible. I mean, yeah. not even having a uh, a second loss that you could potentially have is is wild. Um. So, okay. So, uh, what was your what, what were some like notable moments of your run through uh, the first day of Swiss? Um. So, basically, the first two matches, I got lucky. I ran into two snow teams and my team has a very very good matchup into snow just because it essentially can't hit como when it clicks terra steel um and they normally have heatran but they always run slow bulky heatran so i was always able to lead como set it up sweep and then just finish off the end game basically um the one funny thing that happened was in my second set and in game two, they had Encore on their Ninetales and I had my Iron Hands. And basically it came down to, I was locked into Fake Out on Encore and it was a 1v1 between my Iron Hands and Ninetales and they only had Icy Wind as their attacking move. Mm-hmm. So I had to PP store my own Fake Out while they kept Encoring me until I was able to click Heavy Slam. And it made me realize that uh using pp up on fake out is not always optimal so next huh, tournament yeah. i'm going to not pp up my fake out because that actually came up and was very important in a set wow um but so other than that i went 2-0 then 3-0 against the salamence team which is cool then i was 4-0 against an ogapon fire team Mm-hmm. Um, and then my loss came in round five against a essentially the very strong Paul Chua bounce team. Um, and it was uh, Kieran who beat me. He came six overall. So he also made top cut. Um, so he beat me and it essentially just came down to because he had Shookaberry on Heatran, mm-hmm. I couldn't remove heat, his Heatran quick enough for it to be not as impactful. Right. And so right. therefore I couldn't ever freely set up Kamoo effectively. Um, and that's kind of what that matchup came down to. Mm-hmm. So after that, I'm four and one. I'm like, oh, this is scary. You know, I would like to... At this point, I was just like, oh, I want to do better than I did at Sydney Regionals, where I went 5-3. So I was like, okay, going into the next round. And obviously, coming off a loss, you're a bit nervous. Um, But I was very, very happy to see that when I met my next opponent, they were using exactly uh, Chuppacross's winning team from Toronto, which I had practiced a lot of. So I knew that I could... Um, beat this person as long as I played smart. Um, so basically, they played the team really well. It was a Chinese player. I can't remember the name off the top of my head, but they in game one, I essentially beat them because I knew my lines into them. Uh, so I beat them pretty convincingly. And then game two, they 
brought four physical attackers. They brought Rillaboom, uh, Urshifu, Chempau, and Arcanine. Um, and I didn't bring Como to either game one or game two. So in game two, they beat me pretty quickly because they managed to get Chempau and Urshifu in an end game and they were able to sweep me. So sitting there knowing that like my run could be over, I was sitting there in team preview hovering as the fourth slot between uh, Fluttermane or Kamoa. And I kind of thought to myself, look, uh, I came here with Kamoa. I've put my trust in it. They bring four physical attackers. Um, If he predicts that I'm going to bring Como and they bring Fluttermane, I could just lose it. Um, But this is the risk I'm willing to take. Uh, And basically, I managed to get Como in on a switch in immediately for free i set up two iron defenses um while my opponent killed the other three pokemon on my team and it came down to an end game of chen pao urshifu and rillaboom versus my kamoa uh i hadn't terrored it luckily and basically there was one very crucial turn where they got an icicle crash on my Como, but it didn't flinch. And so I was able to kill Chempau. And then um, it came down to Rillaboom Urshifu left. And they got a free fake out plus surging strikes, but I was living. And each surging strike was doing 20 to Como. So I was basically doing the math in my head. And after very tense him protecting his Urshifu and trying to get a crit with Woodhammer and then him dealing another 60 damage with Surging Strikes and me KOing the Urshifu, it came down to one turn where Rillaboom, if it had crit me, they would have won. And if it didn't, I would win. So luckily it didn't crit me and I managed to win. And it was crazy because at this point everyone else was watching our set and once Como 1v3'd everyone started applauding and it was very stressful and I could feel my heart like beating through my chest so that was such an intense game but it was like probably the most fun Pokemon I've played in a long time and that for me just speaks of that's exactly why I brought Como like that's the the reason I decided to put my trust in this Pokemon because of exactly what it could have just done then um so yeah that was a massive thing for me um that's awesome that's like and that's like a real live story of like and then everyone clapped you know what i mean and then like but it was actually like totally totally legit that's that is that's really cool because it's also too it's like i don't know como is just one of those things it's like you know you want to root for it and everything just because it's it's able to uh like it does, it doesn't really have its have its time. It hasn't had its time in the sun, really. Um, so to be able to like see it is is just really really neat. Um, it's not on those top twelve lists on the charts no. they show ever. No, definitely not. It's definitely no. something that you know you see and you're like, oh, that's that's really cool. Uh, I'm actually curious how many of them there were in the tournament overall. So keep going. I I'm I'll, I'll look for this. That's all right. I'm pretty sure there was then, twelve. I think I was looking earlier. Okay. Um, oh wow! But yep, yeah. So that was like massive for me, and because it was Terra Water Urshifu too, so it was like doing a lot of damage. And but I knew in my head, like I know my damage calcs. I just need to not get crit by Rillaboom, and I think I win this game. Mm-hmm. So that was massive. Um, and so after that, I felt good because I was six. Uh. 6-1 at this point, um, and I was, I knew I had made top 16 just because my resistance was so good. So I was like, I've made top 16, I've, you know, won some money, which is incredible. And I think, like, if that was all I got out of this, I was going to be thrilled. So 6-2, I'd be my personal best at a regional, um, you know, I was so happy. But obviously, top 8 was achievable. So I went into... The last round, a little nervous. I even had to like say, like, can I go to the bathroom to my opponent? Give me five minutes. Cause it literally, I jumped from round into the next round immediately because mm-hmm. um, of how long it took. Uh, so composed myself, came back out and um, I ran into 
a rain team, which on uh, Lab Mouse, it's the ninth place team. So he was the highest uh, resistance 6-2. So very strong player. Mm -hmm. Uh, He'd beaten a few of my friends uh, who told me about this team. Um, And essentially what happened was game one, I utilized my iron hands very well and they had bring pelipper knowing that my heatran was a massive threat uh luckily for me their goldango was extremely frail and so life orb earth power did like 90 percent. so basically that kind of sealed the game immediately um because they said it, they bring in Pelipper on one turn expecting a heat wave, but I went for Earth Power instead and it did a lot of damage. So that was really good game one and I felt very confident. Uh, in game two, they didn't bring Pelipper or Urshifu. They uh, led with Iron Hands, Goldengo and had a Moongus Roaring Moon in the back. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd say I got wiped pretty quickly in that game. Uh, but the thing that for me was most important was at one point in the match, I had Fluttermane on the field and they hadn't used Terra and they had Roaring Moon on the field. And then being speed booster, I always outspeed. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just went for protect thinking they would either protect or Terra and then go for heavy slam with their iron hands. Mm-hmm. But they just clicked raw tailwind. And I was like, whoa, that's really surprising So to me, that spoke that this player had Goldango in the back and desperately wanted to save Terra because they knew how big of an issue Heatran was. Mm -hmm. So after losing game two, I had a plan. I went into game three and I just led my hardest hitting Pokemon. I led uh, Fluttermane and Urshi Dark while they led Iron Hands and Roaring Moon. And so in my head, I'm thinking... I know for a fact that you want to save your Terra for Goldango. Right. So I, you already tailwind in front of my uh, Fluttermane once, so I don't think you're going to do it again. So they, I was expecting Protect and then Iron Hands trying to kill my Fluttermane while, you know, he expects me to protect my Urshifu to avoid Fake Out. Um, I got the turn absolutely 100% correct and even better than I could have hoped for because they actually switched out Roaring Moon into Amoongus. So they got rid of their booster energy. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, my Moonblast plus close combat double up into the Iron Hands one, like killed it on turn one. Um, and I knew from that point I had basically won the game because they didn't have a single Pokemon that could uh, hit Heatran for, like, you know, very big damage at all. Right. Uh, and so I knew that as long as I played optimally, I had won the set. And so that was uh, insane for me. And so I was, like, stressing, making sure that I played the right moves. And the most crucial turn after that was, at one point, they terrified their Amoongus to not die to Heat Wave. And they were going for Pollen Puff into my 1 HB Urshi Dark. And so I switched it out into Rillaboom uh, because Rillaboom was kind of useless into the match. Um, and so I had my Urshifu safely in the back. The Pollen Puff went into Rillaboom and then I was able to get a free Fake Out plus Earth Power into the right slot, right. Um, which basically guaranteed that match because uh, then... Uh, like that showed me, you know, he bring out Goldengo because he needed to keep Amoongus alive. Uh, I did Earth Power. It did 90%. And then after he protected and then went to attack with Goldengo, my Meadow Plate switch came in handy because Grassy Glide was actually able to pick up Goldengo at around 20%. And so that was like a massive feeling because it showed that my switch to Meadow Plate had paid off big time as well. And so, yeah, it was really exciting to see all my changes work out and it played a role. And yeah, it was really awesome. It's awesome. Yeah, that, that's that's really neat. And like the way that, you know, like the the meta, the meta game within the actual game, you know, with like the conditioning that was that was kind of done there and like, you know, thinking through that whole process. Like that's, that's awesome. And like really, you know, 
shows what you uh you know how much time you'd really put into practicing a bunch of different teams and stuff and, and like knowing exactly what you would need to do for uh for this um so you get into the top eight and you face off against i be- i want to say the was it uh lewis lewis tan yes. or nicholas khan uh lewis yeah second lewis. place okay. Okay, um, so you face off against them, and they had an interesting Terra Ghost on Amoongus, and you had mentioned that that was one thing that like kind of messed up your team a little bit. And like, why is that? Uh, yeah, so basically, I didn't know his full team going into my top eight set, but I knew he had a Dusclops, uh, and I knew he didn't have Farigara. So my game plan immediately was, oh, Taunt Fluttermane has beat every single other Dusclops I've ever played against. So I'm just going to always lead Fake Out plus Taunt. But what I didn't know was because he had Terra Ghost on Amoongus, I could never safely click Fake Out plus Taunt into Dusclops out of fear of Terra Ghost Rage Powder or Terra Ghost Spore. Um, So it was really threatening to me and... I feel like in the moment, because I got so thrown for a loop and I was so set on leading fake out plus taunt, uh, it essentially just caused me to lead badly and yeah, c- kind of caused me to lose the game because they could always get up trick room with Dusclops and, mm. and then um, like, you know, Como is useless into two ghost types like Amoongus and Dusclops and Urshi Dark needs to be out of Trick Room, otherwise it'll just get Willow Wisped. So, right, he played it very smart, and it was a very well built team. But yeah. it was just like once that I saw that terror, it really threw me off guard, and I knew I couldn't win after after that. Yeah, that's crazy. And it's like, yeah, I mean, looking at this team, it is there's a quite a few interesting things on here, like seeing Dustclops, but then not seeing like a a blood moon or um, right. even just like a regular ursaluna or something like that to really benefit from the trick room outside of the amoongus the iron hands and i guess a, a very slow heatran um it's yeah, just kind of interesting to see like the the dust clop sort of on its own um yeah. in addition to the the amoongus without some sort of like super big uh you know trick room attacker that you typically see um yeah especially then next to a dragon dance you know roaring moon um yeah and like a scarf lando it's like this is this is quite the quite the interesting team and i mean i see why they they came in second but i also can see very well that i don't think that you would have practiced against something like this like this is not no, a team composition not. that we've seen in in quite a while if ever yeah so yeah i from talking with him um it was kind of like using the balance mode to beat other balanced teams and then using Dusclops to beat the hyper offense stuff. And that was very smart. So yeah, even though the the top eight match didn't go the way you wanted, still getting to that point is is really cool. It's a shame that there wasn't a Brisbane stream or something like that to be able to like watch some of this stuff. Because it kind of yeah. it, it kind of feels like it was just like not necessarily forgotten, but like to then to see one and you know Gdansk at the same time, it's like it would have been nice if, you know, you recognized both of the regionals that were happening. But uh, I guess, you know, it's, maybe next time. I only think, like, like the Australia meta deserves to be streamed because it's a very innovative take on how it works. Because obviously, like, you see, like, two balanced teams came first and second, but obviously Dusclops is uncommon. Um, and then, you know, you've got the Ogapon Wellspring, which is, like, a little adaptation on it. And... I don't know. There's just a lot of things that were done differently. Um, and yeah, it was just, I don't know. I really want to advocate it for Melbourne because like, for example, like Daniel Walker's team in fifth with the Clefable, like everyone agrees he would have won the whole thing because he went 7-0 in Swiss and then paired against the Indeedy Armourish team, which was an insta loss. So he lost that in Swiss. And then he also just got paired against it in top eight because it was 1v like first versus eighth place. So he had to play it again um, and he lost. But like Clefable and Glamora and like the King Gambit actually just beat everything else in the format except like maybe my well, coma if I'm able to get rid of Clefable so yeah it was like everyone kind of agreed that he basically had the best shot at winning if it wasn't for the fact he got paired into the Indeedy Armourish 
That'll happen. That's, <laughs> yeah, that's a really cool team. Like yeah. Swords Dance uh, with only Sucker Punch as the dark move, and obviously the whole Clefable. The which, Glim uh... set is the most interesting to me. Oh yeah, substitute Glimora. What? Yeah, it's a. He literally said it's basically I can use sub to bait Heatran Terrors, and then I can kill it after that. And I was like, whoa, that's Ooh. so smart. <laughs> that's cool. Yeah, and then uh, the Clefable set for everybody listening is Rocky Helmet, Water Terra, Moon Blast, Ice Beam. Follow me, protect. Yep. Unaware. Uh, yeah, beats Dozo, beats Urshifu, beats Landorus. Yeah, very strong. One thing that is kind of funny about Unaware um, is that it also ignores stat drops as well as boosts. So it's yeah. like, you know, technically you could still get the full effect of all those make it rains and um, overheats and, you know, Draco meteors and whatnot. Um, even after they've already dropped, but yeah, it's, it's a, it is a really neat team. Like using that as your redirection mod is, is pretty cool. There's another reason Terra water is nice for the make it rains and the mm-hmm. Dondozos. Exactly. Yeah. And Urshifu water, of course. Yes. Um, so that's actually a, a good a good pivot then. We can talk about these two regionals and some of the uh the interesting teams that we see and uh how they were, you know, maybe similar or you know different, because there is quite a quite a little bit here that we have. Um unless there were any final thoughts you had, Jack, on your time in Brisbane. Um I would just say that Como pulled its weight. It was the best Mon on my team. Iron Hands was the right switch. Um, and also every single person has asked me, did you miss Shadow Ball on Fluttermane? And the answer is no, no way. I had Urshadark and Heatran for like Goldango. Mm-hmm. So Taunt was 1 million percent the right move. Yes, the only matchup I probably would have wanted it in is the top eight match just because of the Terra Ghost on Amoongus. But other than that, no, I wouldn't have traded it. Awesome. That's cool. And that that's nice too when like that kind of decision doesn't backfire and you can point to very specific instances in which you're like, oh no, no this is exactly what I needed to do. Yeah. So um okay. So looking at these two regionals, um I'll just let you sort of mention what you had said earlier jack because i thought it was it was very interesting um with regards to the usage rates of these of these two regionals uh yeah so basically what it looks like for usage rates between brisbane and gdansk so in gdansk everyone uh there was four pokemon over 40 percent usage being iron hands urshi rapid fluttermane and tornadoes um and then because of that, it like it really speaks that most people were building around those Pokemon just because of how good they were. Whereas for Brisbane, Iron Hands had 50% usage, but Fluttermane, Urshifu, and then Tornadus were all around the 30% nearing like 30% up to 40% mark. So all under 40%. Um, and so what that kind of suggests, like in the numbers, is that like the Brisbane meta was more using those Pokemon to support maybe a slightly unique strategy. Like for example, me using Kamoa, but I'm still using Iron Hands, Fluttermane, Heatran. Um, and then you've got someone like Daniel Walker using the Clefable, but still using Rillaboom, Landorus, King Gambit. So they're kind of just using really strong Pokemon, but pairing it with maybe unconventional strategies or things you wouldn't usually see where the Gdansk kind of just went with more standard-ish type teams. I just want to say that Iron Hands is at 50% usage and is essentially a Pokemon without an ability. Yeah. So I can't uh, imagine when Tapu Koko comes back and it actually can get oh. an ability. And and that's the thing too, is it's like, it's so good on its own that people don't need... uh. What's the only other electric surge Pokemon? Pink Urchin. Like it, it's not even like, oh yeah, this is you know, this is like 
necessary or something like that. It's able to just completely exist without the ever getting that boost ever. Cause it's not like anybody's ever running, you know, prankster electric terrain on a uh, thunderous or something like that. Yeah. Um, uh, I wanted to say that good has one Kamoa out of 326 teams. Wait, really? And, yeah. Oh and Brisbane has 12 out of 189. Um, uh, actually speaking of that, I'll shout out Henry rich. Uh, who is like a good man and a very good player in the Australian community. He came 15th um, using body press coma as well, but utilizing Bramblegast, Roaring Moon and Goldengo, which is really smart because coma hates Tornadus, but Bramblegast loves Tornadus. And so the synergy between those two Pokemon, even though they're both very odd to have on the same team, it works really well. That's cool. That's neat. And um, I noticed there's more body pressers than clanging scales. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, I guess because it's like, you know, I guess haze isn't as prevalent anymore, but I, I guess people like didn't necessarily want to. I guess you like you don't want that turn of setup, I guess, because, you know, you have like Dondozo that's able to get those boosts immediately. Um, so it's like it just sort of like takes another another turn to be able to go up th- and get it um but it is i mean it is nice to be able to get the plus ones all around but i think like the more defensive set is definitely definitely does make more sense especially since this is a very physical meta at the moment yeah yeah it sounded really cool when i heard he did that um some of the other similarities that we see looking at sort of day one um information we have Amoongus is definitely, you know, back in like in that sort of grass spot where it looks like Ogre Pond like is continuing to fall off. Um, I mean, yeah, the the Wellspring version and like Hearth Flame. So I guess if you look at it, there was 109 Ogre Ponds out, you know, in the actual in uh, in Gdansk, which would be higher than Arcanine. And then in Brisbane, there were. Uh, 60 or 71 um, Ogre Ponds. So that would be that would be relatively high as well. So Ogre Pond, I guess, is still seeing usage, which which is nice to know. But like, you know, seeing Amoongus and, and Rillaboom continue to carve out their own space is is still pretty nice because they do offer really good, really good support and also damage to a team. Um, um, what was really interesting about Gdansk, though, is Amoongus and especially Ogre Pond Hearth Flame had some really bad conversion rates into, mm. like, day two. So compared to how much usage they got, there wasn't many, uh, like, day two converts. Gotcha. And that definitely will, you know, make people sort of, like, shy away from it. You know, because you're just like, all right, well, is it is it the Pokemon? Is it the team? Is it the person that's using it? And if it just continues to happen consistently, like it seems to be, it's like maybe it's just kind of bait to be able to using it. And then you have a, a situation where like in Gdansk, you know, looking at the at the top eight teams, uh, there's three Wells, uh, Wellspring, two Hearthflame. So I guess, yeah, there's five in, in the top eight. So I guess it is still there. So I don't know. Maybe it is something that is is still very much a concern, but just not as 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 prominently, you know, winning. I guess. Yeah, um, I think something that is also interesting is that like the terror type usage is pretty much the same between both regionals, um, but then interestingly, in Gdansk, Focus Sash is used far more than Booster Energy. Um, which like booster energy was number three at Brisbane and focus sash was number three at Gdansk. And so that probably like just speaks that there was more maybe tornadoes offense stuff compared to what Brisbane was running. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is something I noticed in my run. There was like not many tornadoes as, as much as I was expecting anyway, like there was still a lot, but I didn't see too much on my run. Something else I do find interesting is um, we had talked about the uh, like the Arm Rouge NDD uh, team 
And so there were two Armourouge NDD teams in in the top eight, and they placed third and fourth in Brisbane. There wasn't a single of that duo in uh, in the top eight of Gdansk. So I'm curious why you guys think that is. Like, do you think it's like somewhat like of a regional thing where you know you see it more so in I don't know in in Australia or something like that. Like, was that something, was that a combination that you were seeing more like in locals, Jack, or just, it might just be like sort of, you know, coincidence. I think in Didi Amarish is a very interesting strategy because some teams just really have no answers to it. Mm-hmm. So if you can find teams that, you know, struggle against it, then uh, it's worth it. And like, for example, Vivek, he's from the Sydney region and his team kind of, really smart because he has Ndidi Armour Rouge, which, you know, you normally need a certain style. Like you need to bring the dark type or you need to bring like, you know, something uh, to beat Ndidi Armour Rouge. But then he has like Fluttermane and Ogapon to deal with that. But more importantly, he has King Gambit on the team and people bring fighting types to bre- to beat King Gambit. But then you've got Ndidi Armourouge, which is like the best core ever into fighting types. So I think that was utilized in a really unique and strong way because, for example, like Henry Rich uh, using Body Press Como, he had to bring Como to beat uh, King Gambit because it was was his only fighting type, but it insta-lost to Ndidi Armourouge. So it was very much a like mind game on on lead. Yeah. Always been a fan of Gambit on the size spam team. Yeah, it's really smart. And it seems counterintuitive because you're like, well, yeah, but then you want to run Sucker Punch. But it's like, yeah, but if you're also able to be, you know, going first in in Trick Room, you don't necessarily need Sucker Punch. And then at least on the Vex team, you know, you have the uh, Assault Vest. So you have a lot of different options that you don't necessarily, it's not running like the, uh, you know, soccer uh, or swords dance protect set or something like that, that needs the, the priority to do well when this has like iron head, low kick, kowtow cleave. So you're able to still get a bunch of utility out of it. And then once the terrain goes away, you're still able to get that priority. Yeah. He actually had taunt on Ogapon wellspring as well, which is a really cool adaptation. So Yeah. Yeah, fast taunt is what's up right mm-hmm. now. <laughs> it's very big. It would have beat the Terra Ghost uh, Amoongus. So when I saw that, I was like, oh, well, there you go. There's the answer. <laughs> um, looking at some of the other information, some of the other stuff that we see here. Uh, Reggie Drago, uh, there are two of them, one in each of the of the top eights. Do you think Reggie Drago is like, I'm not going to say a meme necessarily, but do you think it ever it really has any significant staying power or people kind of just see it as like, oh, yeah, it's an insane attacker with, you know, dragon energy and dragon's maw that didn't get nerfed in the way that Transistor did? Um, I think it's like as Fluttermane usage decreases. Yeah, like it's the strongest dragon type move and dragon type is a great offensive type. So really it's just kind of like go hard, hit fast. I think it's best when it's paired with Goldango because then Goldango can deal with the fairy types. Um, But yeah, I think it is only normally good on the one specific Tornadus Goldango Reggie Drago team. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think it normally needs the boosting item. Like the one from uh Brisbane mm-hmm. in the top in the top four set when we were watching it, it was basically on turn one, uh he led in Didi Reggie Drago. And because it was choice scarfed, uh Lewis just clicked double protect on Heatran Roaring Moon, saw that he went for helping hand Earth Power into Heatran, and so he then next turn he just was able to terror his Heatran and safely double you know the indeedy slot and mm-hmm. so that was kind of game over after that so i think it definitely needs the boosting item to do as much damage as possible because otherwise it just feels feels a little underwhelming yeah and also the the ability to like change up what you're doing because when you are facing down something that does have choice scarf like that or they get choice logged it's like you can just scout and there's no downside really 
Yeah. It does seem stuck to the tornado Skullango combo. Mm -hmm. But it's a good team just as long as you maintain speed control. Yeah, the one that, that I'm seeing here is placed eighth at Gdansk, and that is the Goldango Tornadus um, Reggie Drago core, uh, piloted by Nils Dunlop. The other members of the team, Rillaboom, Ogre, Ogre Pond Hearthflame, and Urshifu Rapid Strike. So you got your Firewater core, you know, and then your, you know, big spread damage dealers in Reggie Drago and Goldango. It does look pretty fun. Um, but yeah, it does seem like, you know, that's the type of team that Reggie Drago is going to be on because it has the dragon's fang. It has the protect. So you're able to get behind the, the tailwind and do some, do some pretty big damage. And you don't necessarily have to worry about like, this is clearly not the main attacker on the team, you know, but it's like when it has a good matchup, that's when it's going to come. Yeah. Um, the meme, it's terrible. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, okay, so the other thing of significance, of course, is that this is not the, the regional was not won by Hisuian Arcanine in Brisbane, but it was won by uh in, in Gdansk. So it's actually kind of significant. I, I don't see there's only one Hisuian Arcanine in the top eight. And Brisbane. one rapid strike too. That's wild to me. Yeah, I I think see this is why I'm like a big advocator for a stream for our regionals because like obviously Arcanine is a really good Pokemon, but everyone just seemed to be able to like collectively band together this regional and be like, no, we have answers into it. Um so it was really interesting to watch. And I think everyone had such unique ways of dealing with, you know, Tornadus, Urshifu, Arcanine teams. And as you can see, like the closest one was the 11th place team, um, which is Chopper's, you know, tournament winning team. Um, and so it's just like such an interesting uh, strategy, but it's now won six regionals in the other side of the world. So like it's clearly doing something right, but I just think that Australia clearly had something figured out that maybe the rest of the world haven't figured out yet. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that the truth? Cause I mean, then you look at, you look over in Gdansk and it's like, it was a tornadoes Urshifu, like almost near mirror um, between, between the, 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 the top two teams like the only differences were uh, Oliver had Goldengo, uh, Simone had uh, Chen Pao, and beyond that, they're exactly the same. With mm -hmm. Urshifu Rapid Strike, Hisuian Arcanine, Tornadus, Rillaboom, and Fluttermane as the five other Pokemon on them. So it's like, it is interesting to see, you know, almost a near mirror in the top two. Do you guys like that kind of outcome or do you prefer something where it's like a little bit more uh, different? And so you can see how how like the, the teams are going to play out where in like Brisbane, it was like, you know, both teams had Amoongus and Iron Hands and Heatran and Landorus Therian. You know what? These are very similar teams as well, uh, well except, uh, you know, the uh, the Dusclops Roaring Moon and being very different. So, like, I um, guess it's yeah. different there. The uh, top, the two top players um, have, they prepped together oh. into each other uh, with the, like, they're two very strong players, both from Melbourne. So they prepped together for the event. Um and unfortunately for us, it was kind of a very, very boring finals. It was a three-game finals, but because they both knew each other's teams so well and they knew exactly how to play balance into each other, they essentially both just kind of mirrored each other and because they knew the exact right lines of how to play. So everything was kind of scripted and there wasn't much variance. Uh, but yeah, Nicholas just ended up playing very smart and... Like Lewis made a few mistakes that, you know, caused him to lose his Heatran in game one. And then he doubled a protecting Heatran in game two. And after that, it was like Nick was just able to play so precisely to be able to win the match out. So, 
yeah, it was a very interesting match to watch, but it was very scripted almost because of how much they knew about each other. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, didn't that happen at OCIC last year? I feel, I think, like, I think like the, the, the two guys that met in the finals flew there together. Yeah, um, maybe. I don't know. Um, <laughs> it was, uh, yeah, Gavin Michaels and, and Alberto Lara, both from the US, they practiced against each other. Like, and they and they flew there. I think they're roommates. I'm pretty sure. So they they played that 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 matchup countless countless times. And Gavin Michaels, I think, had like a 70 percent win rate against Alberto Lara's team specifically. And so that's why the the finals unfolded. Oh, yeah, or like yeah. went went the way that it did. Um. But okay. yeah, don't get me wrong. They're both very very exceptional players, and they deserve to be there. But it was yeah. just like, oh my gosh, like you know it came down to who switched out their landers first essentially like that's kind of what the match was right right um and like that's you know that's kind of neat when you have that storyline but then when you see it play out like that it can be a little a little boring i guess um or like not as exciting you know because it kind of feels written already i mean i'm i know i would have loved to see jack against the clefable dude yeah Uh but I think I would have. It would have been a very close and interesting match because if I get rid of Clefable, Como beats the whole team. But having to deal with that Clefable because it is unaware is actually very interesting for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then of course you know you run the risk of like going Water Terra on the turn that you want to flash cannon into it or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um. Okay. Any other teams in the the top eight that you guys wanted to? talk about well i mean uh we do have um tom winter using paul chu as like volcarona uh sinister team that's from, true like that he used to laic and so being able to convert it into a top four placement is very interesting mm-hmm. and so for those that are unsure it is assault vest iron hands with a fire terra a focus ash chen pao um this is the dread plate or you know sunglass dark sunglasses king gambit with the cowtail cleave sucker punch swords dance and a poison terra rocky helmet sinister with a fairy terra does have strength sap and trick room um choice scarf lando and volcarona with leftovers and the grass terra for that boosted giga drain also rounding out with flamethrower quiver dance and protect and lefties um that is, yeah, that does look like a an interesting team. There's a little uh, back and forth, I guess, on Twitter about this team turning into a uh, a top four placement in um in advance. But it looks like a fun team, so I could definitely see why yeah. it would do well. W- mm-hmm. Was the issue that like it would be that people were just like, oh, it's it's only just because it's a Paul Chua team that it's not yeah. actually very good. Yeah, people were like, "Oh, it's just because Paul Chua ran it; it wasn't actually good." And then someone else used it, and it was able so to wild to say. Yeah, people get so petty. It's like just let's team know. good. <laughs> Come on. But although oh well. every time I look at a team now, I'm like, "Oh, Kamoa loves this," or "Kamoa <laughs> hates this." So my brain's <laughs> wired now. <laughs> yeah, you got the dragon on the mind. Um, the Volcarona would be scary. It would. Yeah. Um, okay. Well think we're gonna wrap it there then because both both these regionals very fun um from you know the looks of it at least and uh obviously again massive congratulations to you jack for uh performing as well as you did and that you got there because of just everything like all the time and effort you put in ahead of time so um when is melbourne uh, it is the first weekend of February. So. Okay. So oh, we'll... it turns out we figured out why the dates had to be moved as well, because it was originally on the second weekend of February. And then it turns out the reason it had to be moved was because, you know, there's like the running joke where Taylor Swift is everywhere. There's a regional. Yeah. Yeah. It was on the same weekend. So they literally had to move the event <laughs> because all the accommodation was booked out. <laughs> That's. That's amazing. Well, at least they were able to make the change rather swift and didn't need to uh, wait on it. Uh, I get Um, it, swift. Get it. (laughs) Um, But cool. So obviously, you know, a lot of of stuff 
happened before then with you know the DLC coming out, and that would be firmly in the middle of Regulation F. So very exciting to see how that all plays out. Um, yes. But thank you guys both very much for coming on. I do appreciate it. We will uh, wrap it up there. Say our goodbyes. Start with you, Spicer. Our goodbyes. <laughs> and Jack. Thank you for your sultry tones, Jake. Uh, yeah, it was a really good experience. And thanks to everyone who made it special. Absolutely. Peace out. Yeah. Cool. Very exciting. Very cool. Um, and if anybody else, you know, listening to this is uh, going to be competing in a regional or whatever, you know, good luck to you as well. Or even local or PC or MSS, whatever it is. If you're out there playing Pokemon, good luck to you. Um, but until um, then, go ahead. Oh, and thanks, Jack, for uh, getting, you know, top eight for our 50th episode. That was really nice of yeah. you. Yes. All yes. for I'm, you guys. Don't worry. I'm glad, uh, I'm glad you were able to come through on your end of the bargain there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, with that, class dismissed. <laughs>